friends. Happy Monday. This is episode 49 of Bet to Win. I'm Claudia Bellafato. He is Joe Fan. Heavy college hoops show because it's March. We got to do it. I love that you are like, meh. Meh. And I well, it's because you love college. I know. I know. I don't know why I can't like get on the train. I love March Madness. And everyone does. And I don't know why I don't I get I love as Selection excited. Sunday. Thursday morning at like 9 a.m. is when games start. It might even be 8.30 when the first game tips. And there are 32 games over two days, 48 over the course of four days. You go from a field of 64 to a field of 16 in a matter of four days. It's my favorite sports weekend of the entire calendar year, and it's not close at all. Joe's like, I'm going to wake up, watch college basketball. I'm going to eat, watch college basketball, and go to sleep watching college basketball. Correct. And I'll have it on. And I will probably lose a bunch of money in the process thinking that, you know, oh, this dark horse is, I'm going to ride them this mm-hmm. year and they get bounced in the first round. or it Because that's how it goes. I mean, you just never know. I mean, I, my bracket will probably be ripped up. And Think positively. Okay. No, you know what I mean? I'm a big undersell, over-deliver guy, okay. you know? Uh, so you just you expect the worst. And then if it's anything better than that, then you're pleasantly surprised. That's true. Like Joe on Twitter is like, uh, fade accordingly. And then he goes 31 and nine or whatever the hell you did. I'm like, I'm probably yeah. not going to fade you. So and I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Surprise people. Like, hey, the- I don't want yours. You, you do you. <laughs> you. If you, I, I won't take any offense if you tell me that you're, I'm an auto fade for you. That's okay. If I win you money that way, that, that's good for me too. You've proved to the people that you uh, <laughs> are worthy of following and not fading. So we'll talk college hoops. We'll have Nick Davis come on the show to talk some UFC from over the weekend. Him and I both were at the Covington Masvidal fight. That was a very fun. Nikki Dollar sign. Very fun uh, occasion. I know, seriously. I'm so pissed. And we'll talk about this, but I asked him for his picks a little too late. And uh, I I was hoping to make as much money as he did. I didn't, but either way, it was fun. We'll get into that. Before we do that, let's talk some victory laps and hold this, Al. Doesn't sound like it was a great week for either of us, no, but you know, no. ups and downs, ebbs and flows. That's how it goes. What were your sort of highlights, whether they were wins or yeah, losses? No, I don't know if I had a highlight. I had some lowlights. My winning pick on Thursday was Oregon minus five at Washington. Not only did they lose, they got embarrassed. And which betting on the Pac-12 is just such a fool's errand because every time I think I've made any sort of wager on the game, it's gone aggressively the other direction. It was embarrassing for Oregon. I mean, this was a must-win game for them, a team that was on the bubble to where they didn't have any leeway to lose a game and still make the dance without winning the conference tournament. Now, of course, they can still make the tournament by winning the Pac-12 tournament, but the odds of doing so are slim given that there's better teams in the Pac-12, but they got absolutely whitewashed by Washington on the road. So uh, that aptly defined my betting week um, I, I did, I, I made a joke about it because I think we can all relate when you have to send the, uh, the Venmo on a Monday morning to your bookie. And mm-hmm. I was over the threshold and I had a four-leg chalky parlay that I needed to hit an Oral Roberts money line. Saved me on Sunday night, got me back under the wind, uh, window. And now we're going to rally this week. No Venmos from me here on this Monday morning. So uh, hopefully that's a sign of things to come. We continue on that trend. I was going to say your bookie was probably happy. He's like, finally, Joe's losing some goddamn bets. For real, because I've been taking a lot of his money when it comes to (laughs) NFL playoffs and then that college basketball run. Uh, But it's just sort of fun. And that's like, that's betting. It's like a Sunday evening. I'm prepping for the show and I'm watching Oral Roberts thinking, 
this is the team that's going to decide whether I'm sending a Venmo on Monday yeah. morning or not. So it is wild. Yeah, this is the life we chose. It is, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, unfortunately, though, I did have a nice little hockey stretch going, and I'm learning, though. I'm learning what really doesn't work for me, and that is first period plays because it doesn't matter where the damn numbers match up. It just never hits. Luckily, it was plus money, so I, like, I wasn't too upset, but it really should have hit. I had the avalanche first period on the puck line against the Coyotes on Thursday. I think this is even worse than watching shot props, like you and I were saying. There's no way this guy doesn't have over two and a half. I'm like, there's no way they don't at least score in the first. They end up losing the game, which they really shouldn't have because the guy in net for the Coyotes, Veg Melk or whatever. I know I said it wrong last yeah, time. Yeah, I said it wrong name. again, but Corral, we'll call him because that's his first name. Yep. Before, name. before this game, so he had a 977 save percentage in this game. Before that, heading into this game, which is why I was fading him, and this is why I'm saying it doesn't matter what the damn numbers are. He gave up five goals on 32 shots the last time he faced them. He was one and seven in his last eight starts, allowing almost four and a half goals a game and the 874 save percentage over that stretch. So it's like, yeah, why wouldn't I fade the guy who ranks 105 out of 109 goalies and goal saved above You should have known he woke up motivated that day. <laughs> I should have known. His mom called him and was like, hey, I believe in you. <laughs> he had a good breakfast, a good pregame meal. And he's ready to ball out. And the worst part is, And though, he looked at your your video and said, <laughs> Screw Claudia. Screw Claudia. I'm going to ball out today. The worst part is, I said, and I watched the video over, I'm like, it's really tempting to want to take the Coyotes. Plus, it was plus money to get them on the puck line. Mm. I was like, plus one and a half. They had some big upsets lately. And I said it out loud and then didn't do it. So, yeah. shame on me. But shame on you. How dare shame you? Shame on me. And then in college basketball, I was laying 10 with Missouri State on Friday against the Crusaders. And of course, they win by nine. Of course, I have a wide open layup. 20 just, seconds left. But again, just how the screw week went. Claudia. Yeah. No, they knew that. They knew that was they, happening. Oh, they were they like, knew. we could make this. And then, nah. <laughs> oh, they knew. Nope. Well, Joe, we usually talk headlines across the league now. But unfortunately, the future of baseball isn't looking very bright. Not much to go on there. Not a ton going on in NFL. We'll talk more about that on Thursday. I think the main headline from this weekend is, in fact, in college basketball. Like I said, a heavy college basketball show today. After four decades of coaching, Coach K walks off the court at Cameron Indoor for the final time. Unfortunately, Duke lost the game <laughs> to rival UNC, despite being an 11 and a half point favorite. And this was an expensive game, not just if you went, because floor tickets were going for $575,000. Yeah. But if you had your money on Duke, which... I saw it was like one book said 100% of the money or something, the public money was on Duke. Like a ton of people lost money betting on Duke. So the books did well here. Um, I don't know how much it really takes away. I would away. bet that the books cleaned up oh. on live betting too. Because mm -hmm. I, I think I, had, I was with a buddy uh, and he was watching his, his phone, watching and waiting to get it around even money. Because mm -hmm. they're going to they're gonna win. Right. They're not going to lose this game. They may, yeah. They're not going to cover, obviously. We're going to win the game. Yeah. And I think the second he put the bet in, North Carolina was like up four. And I think from that point forward, I don't know if Duke scored another point. <laughs> they just got run out the gym yeah. from there. Do you think it tarnishes like his, his no. leave? That's why everyone is blowing no. up these headlines. I was looking at the no, article. It's, it's just like, people like to poke fun at Duke because yeah. like everyone's a Duke fan. It's like, mm -hmm. I, like I made the tweet. It's like, it's been a tough time for... Cowboys, Lakers, Yankees, and Duke fans, you know, like all their teams are just down and out. Yeah. And so I think it's just, 
Duke's a super easy team to hate because they're always good. And you always, you know the person who's like, oh yeah, I'm a Duke fan. How the hell are you a Duke fan? <laughs> You're from Bothell, Washington. <laughs> How are you a Duke fan? Yeah. Oh, I just, I just love Coach K. Like for sure you do. Yeah. yeah well, he had a lot of fans. 42 years. That's crazy. 42 I mean, he is, years. He's incredible. Yeah. He is. Five natty championships, run. 35 NCAA tournament appearances, a record of 78%. 1,123 and 306. It just, that, those numbers in general just blow my mind. But And three gold medals coaching Team USA. So Crazy. hats off to Coach K. Crazy. I, as much as I'd like to poke fun at Duke, as most everyone else does, uh, I mean, he's a legend. So congrats yeah. to him on a great career. And it's not over yet because they've got the uh, the ACC tournament and then they'll in all likelihood be a one seed going into his final March Madness tournament. So Yep. Minus 125 favorite right now for the ACC. 10 to 1 to win it all. Let's talk about some of the odds right now. So we talked to some of the smaller conferences last week. We gave out some picks there where we saw value. We'll talk to the major ones. Both my still alive. Hell yeah. Towson in the championship tonight. And then North Dakota State. A huge game uh, this evening against Oral Roberts, which I, I make a joke about. That should be a very fun game. Both yeah. those teams are very talented. So. Oral Roberts was a lot of fun last year. Yeah. Watching them. Yeah. Yep. Like uh, you had Missouri State, who lost a heartbreaker yesterday, they right? Did yep, yep. I That's what I was just talking about. Oh, you love it when you're winning Come, and your teams are so. I, I had a, I had a lot of fun last week when I yeah. lost money. No, uh, it's which, still it's great basketball. You know, some people in the industry would say it's not allowed to have fun betting, but <laughs> here I am having the time of my life. I love Joe. I don't really think I've ever seen Joe this excited. I'm not joking. So you're, you're getting me I pumped do. up. I love March Madness. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, yeah. What do you got for these conference tournaments with the uh, the power conferences yeah. getting going here? It's funny because when I'm looking at these numbers, it's so hard to say like, yeah, I'm going to fade Duke. I'm going to fade Gonzaga. I'm going to fade Arizona. But of course, we see the upsets happen. We see the dark horses. So the challenge is finding where you really do see value and not just saying, oh, well, I like this team at plus money. So basically what I did is I went through Mountain West kind of stuck out to me. You said, you know, that's going to be a great tournament regardless. Mountain I agree West, a conference. lot, a lot of talent. Yeah. So Boise State is the favorite at plus 225, San Diego State plus 250, Colorado State plus 400, and UNLV at plus 600. So for me, just like fading some of the bigger favorites is hard for me to do. It's also hard for me to not want to take a favorite at plus 225. So I was sort of looking at Boise State and San Diego. Boise State has won 21 of their last 24 games. They were just one of the two teams in the country to go undefeated in December or in December. <laughs> I just made up a month. December. <laughs> December or January. However, where I see value is with Kawhi's alma mater, San Diego State, at plus 250. So neither offenses for those first two teams, Boise State or Aztecs, like they don't have a crazy offense. The numbers don't blow you away. Aztecs averaging just 66 points a game. But when it comes down to postseason runs, and I think just in general, whether it's the NBA, whether it's college hoops, defense plays a huge part. And San Diego State has the best scoring defense in the conference, second in the country, allowing just 58 points a game. That is staggering. Allowing the fourth lowest field goal percentage in the country, just under 38%. Best turnover margin in the conference. So like I said, not a, an offense that's going to blow you away, but I think when it comes down to it, the defense gives them the edge for sure. You know a conference is wide open when the favorite is what? Plus 225, you said, with right. Boise State? Yep. I mean, that makes it all a coin flip. The one thing, I love San Diego State too. The one thing that makes me nervous with them is they're not a great free throw shooting team. They're shooting under 70% on the season, ranked 242nd in the country. And you look at, you just have to go back to the last loss. They've won four in a row. 
all in impressive fashion. Um, but they lost to Boise State. At Boise State, they had that game in the books, and one of their best free throw shooters missed two uh, at the end of the game. Then they end up losing uh, on free throws with Boise State making a pair. I, I agree with you. That, that conference is as wide open as any, and I think San Diego State is an awesome play. Um, I think you can sell yourself on Duke. They are the clear-cut best team in that conference at minus 125. You're not having to pay a ton of juice for it. We talked about it beforehand. Like Gonzaga, minus 400. There's just no value there. I don't want to deal with the stress of them even playing a remotely competitive game against San Francisco or St. Mary's over the next couple of days to sweat out a $400 ticket to win 100 bucks. And we just saw them get smoked by St. Mary's a week ago. I think that's ultimately a good thing for a, for a team to have some battles before the tournament starts. But again, avoiding that. So you, when you compare that to Duke at minus 125, that's not that much juice to pay for a team that is the clear-cut favorite in their conference. Um, but I like a dark horse in the ACC, and that's Miami at plus 1,000. Um, 16th in offensive efficiency, 149th in defensive efficiency. So obviously a great offensive team, but, but not necessarily a defensive liability. Um, they're also tremendous in terms of forcing turnovers. They're ranked 68th in that department. And they're eighth in terms of not turning the ball over. They protect the ball really well offensively. Top 100 in three-point percentage, two-point percentage, and free throw percentage. They've got huge wins this season against Duke, Wake Forest twice, Virginia Tech, Syracuse twice, and North Carolina. So I'm a big fan of Miami. I've been riding them, and they've been winning me some money. Last week, they're about the only team that I could depend on uh, because they, they seem to just cash every single game. And then uh, heavier juice in the Pac-12, but if you're going to make a Pac-12 play, just take Arizona, lay the juice, right? yeah. minus 150. They are by far the best team in this conference. And when they are playing well, they, are, they play, look like the best team in the country. They rank second in overall efficiency, according to Ken Palm. Eighth in offensive efficiency, 14th in defensive efficiency. This team is elite across the board. They, have, uh, they play fast. They rank fourth in offensive tempo. Um, they, this is a team where you can be in the game and then in about 45 seconds, there's like a seven-point swing and you're calling timeout trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Three, turnover, three, timeout. And you're like, wait a minute. Like, this is that kind of team where even if you're lingering, you can be over uh, in a heartbeat. So I like Arizona here. Chalky play. But again, I don't think minus 150 is, is too expensive to pay to get by far the best team in the Pac-12. How many college basketball tickets do you think you have under your belt right now? Since the season has started, oh, like, I feel like, like in general, I'm like just wondering. Finish tickets, yeah. Uh, you know, what? I didn't really get into it until after the football season. I didn't really yeah. dive in, so I was like, I do. I'd play enough during the football season. Like, I don't need to like spend every day right. sweating college basketball games. I would say I've probably closed hundred thirty. I love it. See, in that's that, why you're in the thick of it. That that's why you park. get so I excited. Gonna, I don't have enough yeah. plays in, so I got to get a little more action. And like, it's funny, like uh, part of my Moneyline parlay on Sunday was Furman, who's a heavy favorite in their semifinal matchup. Um, and I've, I didn't genuinely doubt myself. I'd never heard of Furman in my life until, but you look at the numbers and they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in, yeah. the, in the country, but they're one of the most reliant teams on three-point shooting in the country. But in different spots, I've put them, you either bet them money line, bet them to cover, put them in a parlay. I think they've lost all three times. And yesterday they were down eight at halftime. And you're thinking, why don't I learn <laughs> with these guys? I mean, they're a good it's, team. They're 22 and 11 on the season. 
but Samford gave him everything they could handle last night. They ended up winning by three. So shout out to Furman, uh, which is a real school. And I bet on them last night in Greenville, South Carolina, which yep. we know. How, shout out to Bob Ritchie, their head coach, who's <laughs> doing a tremendous job. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk UFC from over the weekend because it was a lot of fun. Nikki Dallas sign. And I'm super excited because we mentioned it when he was on the show last week. We were going to have him in studio. He is here. Nick the Lamb Deus, host and founder of Blue Wire's Veteran Minimum Podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Nick Deus 10. Nick, what's going on? I'm having a blast. Nikki <laughs> Dollars. I, I, I need a little more conviction than that. I'm, I'm having a blast. Well, first of all, I like that I'm in this seat for the first time. And this is cool because mm-hmm. the times I've recorded, I've sat there yeah. and I've wanted to sit in this seat. I recorded a show yesterday and one of my friends brought his daughter. Yeah. She lives out in Vegas and she was sitting here and I was like, damn, she's so comfortable. Yeah, that, that looks like a very comfortable chair. So, uh, I'm chilling. very excited to see you. You are guys. chilling. Yes. Money bags over here. It was your birthday. You got to go to the fights. Overall weekend, did you get your in and out? Like, how has it gone so far? No, and you know what? I was so pissed at you because you cut me off. I didn't say that I was going to go to in and out. I'm saying usually when I come out here, my friends and I will get like, you know, a, a random cafe or no, nothing too crazy. But yeah. this time we actually like ate like adults, you know? Okay. So, I had in and out yesterday and it was unbelievable. I drove by in and out and thought so of you guys, good. but… Uh, I felt left out. I had serious FOMO Saturday night. Both of you guys were at the fights. I was just watching uh, at a buddy's house. So I, I want to know, did it live up to the hype? And then I've been calling you Nikki Dollar Sign all show. And so I don't give you the chance to take the floor uh, and, and explain the nine leg 100 to one ticket that you cashed where you, you watched them put a $100 bill, Benjamin. Benjamin, 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 Benjamin. Blue faces only. And then you're like, oh, by the the way, I got another ticket. More Benjamins, more Benjamins, more Benjamins. Take the floor, brother. So the the card was sick. I enjoyed it. Uh, We were talking before we started recording about it. It was a lot more wrestling based, but that happens a lot when you have your grappler versus striker, right? Uh, Like Bryce Mitchell is a great example. Barboza, if you look at his losses, it's all to the who's who's. He's lost to Habib, Gaethje. Like, these are like the cream of the crop. And he's known for his stand-up. So the only way Bryce could win a fight like that, which is weird because he also dropped him in that fight. And the whole crowd was like, what the hell just happened? You know, that's not his game. So a lot of the fights that you saw from the booking standpoint was wrestler versus grappler. uh, Sorry, wrestler versus striker. So those kind of fights, they usually play out that way. Mm -hmm. Because you don't want to stand there and trade. Which it's funny because, you know, watching it on TV, you see it too. But for some reason, when I was there in person and I didn't realize just how much they were on the ground and you could see, like, especially with the Covington and Masvidal, like I knew Covington had the edge with the grappling and you could tell Masvidal was doing everything he could to not get on that ground because that's where Covington had the upper hand. And it's just like, I don't know if I would have noticed it as much as when I was there. Like you really see that struggle. And that's what makes me interested and want to kind of bet UFC more because that really does come into play. Like, I don't want to say it's that simple to just look at strengths and weaknesses, but that's why we said that's why you have such heavy. Right. And no, that's a, that's a very fair assessment because also when, when you're a wrestler and you like weigh on someone like that and they got to just carry your weight, like Masvidal, he was exhausted in the fourth and fifth round. Yep. It was, you were basically, you're like, you know, cash the ticket. Mm-hmm. Right, because yes. you're you're carrying. Colby probably was over 200 on mm-hmm. fight night. I would assume 
So you're, he's just wearing on you and you're also getting pummeled, right? So yeah. it's like, it's it's not a good place to be in. Yeah, it's well, so, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 I was just going to say, because Masvidal's edge was his power and that's what everyone was saying. You know, it's like, that's where it, but even Colby looked like he had the edge there too. Well, so it, it's a huge misconception that Colby is just a wrestler. Like he has amazing striking too, but he's known for his wrestling. And right. he's just, he's known as like the cardio king. Like yeah, his, his gas tell. tank is yeah. insane. And Colby, I felt like he should have been an even bigger favorite, right? I, I, I'm pretty sure over here, I, I told you guys about like, I rather would bet him decision and then Masvidal by knockout because it's the only path to victory. But Colby's probably the, he's a champion in any other era besides Usman. Like Usman just has his number. I, but, I sprinkled by submission and for a second, I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, there was a few. Dude, not even a second. There was like a seven, few. eight times he got mm -hmm. under his chin. and He got just, a really good yeah. look at it. Um, I'm curious. I, I want to talk about takeaways from this card. I saw this take and I think I get it. Well, one, I'm just having a lot of fun getting into UFC. I, I've never really been a combat sports guy, but living here in Vegas, you're so much more surrounded by it. It's been awesome having you on the show. Andreas Hale, another friend of the show, who's, who's taught us both a ton about it. And I feel like I'm able to now watch fights with after talking to you about like, this might this might be what happens going in and then have a takeaway afterwards. And you see the relentless conditioning from Colby Covington to where every time Masvidal would have a burst to like, try to break free, I mean, Covington would readjust and was right back on top of him instantly. I mean, he's so fast, so well conditioned. But what the takeaway I saw from, from this card was it was sort of a filler card and there aren't a ton of like, okay, well, what next? Covington wasn't even talking about Usman. He said he wants Dustin Poirier. They're different weight classes altogether. Where do, I think Masvidal, we kind of know he's sort of on his way out. What's next for Covington? And I have a couple other fighters I want to talk about as well in terms of what's what's next for them as well. That's a great question. And that was the biggest takeaway for everyone, right? Like what happens next? Because the UFC is in such a weird spot. They have so many dominant champions in their division. And the only formidable foe, they've beaten. And oftentimes they've beaten them twice. So like Usman, he's beaten Jorge and Colby twice. Uh, Volkanovski in 145, he's beaten Max twice. And they were going to do a third fight. And then Adesanya too at 185, he's beaten everyone. He's lapped everyone. And is the, the number one contender, Whitaker, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, he's beaten him a second time too. So the UFC is, is in a weird spot. But ever since they sold the company, they're going for these like, box office fights, right? They yeah. want to draw the Joe. The and the each other. It's the story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's all wrestling. It's all wrestling promos, right? <laughs> so it's, it's the, they look for these big money fights. Now with Masvidal, the, the coolest thing about Masvidal and why so many people got behind it is dude was professional for 15 years and then 2019 happens. So he wins in London. He beats a guy in Till in his hometown. And then it's the three piece in the soda with Leon Edwards. Which I think, Joe, that's what happens next. Now, Leon is scheduled to fight Usman. They haven't announced it yet officially. That's probably going to happen in July for fight week, which is like their Super Bowl week. Like fight international fight week is like the week to be in Vegas, go to the cards. So it's going to be Leon and Usman. They've fought already in the past and Usman dominated them. So if Edwards was to lose that fight, which I mean, he'd probably be like a plus 350 underdog in that fight against Usman, I would assume. You have the storybook and the storylines, excuse me, of Masvidal and Edwards, right? The three-piece in the soda. So that's what I think happens for Masvidal. And like you said, he called out Dustin because they were former teammates. Dustin and Masvidal are cool. Dustin has thrown shots at him in the past. Like, he's a snake. He's a coward. No one likes him. So 
again, it's all the storyline. And they plant these little like subtle seeds. Mm-hmm. And then when you see the promo packages years later, oh, you're it's like, reality oh, TV, bro. It's exactly <laughs> yeah, it. It's without, without Conor McGregor in UFC really anymore, it's so huge to have a guy like Colby Covington, whether love him or hate him, you're gonna have you're gonna feel some type of way about him. Um, I want real briefly before we pivot to um, NBA, my favorite fights of the night were Bryce Mitchell uh, really dominating Edson Barboza, ended up winning by decision, but he we handled that fight the, throughout, and the Kevin Holland second round TKO against Alex Oliveira was a sensational moment of the night from my standpoint. Where who I'm learning who these two guys are. I'm just sort of figuring it out. What is the trajectory of both these fighters? Um, and then, I mean, are they potential champions? What's next for these guys? So Bryce has been a prospect for a while, but this was the biggest test for him. We talked about the Barboza resume before. And I mean, I'm pretty sure he won 30-26 and someone had him having two 10-8 rounds. Like he really dominated that fight. I think the ideal situation to see if Mitchell's really about it, I would love to see him fight Cater. I know that's your guy with the, I see you repping mm-hmm. his jerseys and you took a picture with him. Mm-hmm. I was super jealous. But <laughs> yeah, I, awesome. I think I think that's the kind of fight you have next to see if Bryce could continue to climb up the ladders because you want to see him against a striker. You saw him weather the Barboza storm and now you want to see him continue to go up against strikers. And as far as Holland, yo, Joe, he's been around for a while. Like, he'll fight at 185. He just changed weight classes, right? Yeah, he's, he should have always been a 170. Because when he would fight at 185, he wouldn't cut. There'd be videos of him eating Twinkies and pizza, like, the day before weigh-ins. Because he walks around at, like, 190. So, for him to cut, it's like, you know, you use the bathroom, sit in a sauna, and you're chilling. Like, he, he would weigh in at 182, 183. So, he was always a small 185-er. But a lot of times now, there's been a change in MMA where guys are not really cutting as much weight. Like Masvidal, he stays at like 180, 185. He used to cut to 155, which is, you know, that's like 30 pounds. That's a lot. So as they get older, it's harder for you to cut weight. And a lot of fighters are just like, you know what? I walk around at 160. I'll just cut to 155. It's happening a lot more. So is it me to see... Going somewhere? Or is it that so, was a fun fight and you well, don't think not, it's another? I, I mean, he looked, he looked great. He looked the same. Like, a lot of times they'll cut and then they look so soaked out. And you're like, yeah, you're a zombie over good. there. Yeah. It looks horrible. I remember one time Luke Rockhold fought Romero. And he couldn't even speak after the weigh-in. Yeah, looked- when you have dudes passing out, I always— And I watched a documentary on it. And I don't know if it's as extreme now that there were some people passing out at weigh-ins. But— like the extre- the extremes that they go through. And I was having this conversation with my buddy. I'm like, I wonder if it's harder to cut. I mean, it definitely is a lot harder to cut weight, but it seems like that's what guys tend to do. Is that the case? Is guys would rather cut than go up? Yeah, yeah. You much rather cut. Because yeah. you guess you get like a power advantage, a size advantage. Yeah. But there's some times where you look at the fight and you're like, hold on, they weigh 145 mm-hmm. and they're like twice my size. You're like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. yeah. But but with Holland Joe, I think if he stays at 170, he could be interesting. Because that's the kind of guy the UFC likes too because he could talk. His nickname is is Big Mouth, right? Like <laughs> Dana White's called him Big Mouth because he's just, he's, I think in uh, the first COVID year, 2020, he fought six times, I think it was. Because mm. he always, you know, late scratch, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Yeah. So he doesn't need to cut weight that much. But he's interesting. I don't know about champion, but he'll get like a marquee fight. He'll, he'll main event, like a fight night kind of thing. That's what blows my mind is when guys have five days notice and they can get in there and... 
I mean, the more it blows my mind. Another little blows my mind. Moicano got yeah. his ass kicked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When someone told me, I didn't even realize. So the guy next to me, I was like, oh shit. I was like, he's, you know, he's really like out stats, there. He's like, he's yeah. Like, he took like 180 fuck. ground strikes. So insane. And then almost knocked them down in the fifth. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. was a fun fight. I, mean, I love this. We could talk about UFC for, for hours, but I do want to yeah. talk a little basketball because we have been the past few weeks. Uh, my Celtics, which. It's funny because a few a few weeks ago we were talking about the Celtics team total or not team total but basically their wins and it, me and my guy friend were going against each other and he's like there's no freaking way I was like really I feel like they're starting to get into a rhythm and now they have won 14 of 16 games they went from the 11 seed to the 5 Jason Tatum we already knew he was a freaking baller but he just dropped 54 they won. They pushed because they were laying six against the Nets um, yesterday. But so 126 to 120, their offense just looked so much better. We knew their defense was rolling. Not something I was expecting, though, to see them in this scenario. Now the Nets, where they are, dropped down to ninth in the Eastern Conference. They've lost 17 of the last 20. Of course, they have a bunch of obstacles they've had to hop through. But is this something you even predicted? Did you see it going this way for both the Celtics and the Nets? Well, for the Celtics, I, I actually bet Tatum to win MVP at the beginning of the year, 30 to 1. Mm. It's not going to happen, but this is the Tatum that I envision, right? Yeah, like, yeah. he's been on such a such a run. But with, with like, MVP, you got to try to finish top three, mm-hmm. top three in your conference. Outside of that, it's, like, almost impossible. So, it, it was a little bit of a punt. But the Celtics have been awesome. I think they finally figured out who they are, mm-hmm. right? And I, and I like the trade that they, they got the guy from the Spurs, White, to come over. He's been really, like… He's this that Spurs basketball where they slow things down, they get the yeah. ball to where they need to, and I mean they've been the hottest team in basketball right now. And on the flip side with the Nets, I mean, you know, being in New York, the Nets get no buzz. Like the mainstream media on a national level talks about the Nets, but in New York, mm-hmm. like talk radio, no one cares about the Nets. Like everyone is checked out. They hate the the people feel like Kyrie sells out on his team. He's only playing road games, all that. Durant mm-hmm. was hurt too, right? Like you take away the best player from a team. They're going to plummet. Not yeah. to that extent. Right. But if you watch the Nets, if they don't have Durant and Kyrie, you're like, this is a G League team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you see anything changing? And I'm curious what you think, too, for the Celtics. Nets, do you think the Celtics are going to continue? Like, what is their postseason run actually look like? And can the Nets turn it say, around? I told you two, three weeks yeah, ago. I mean, I put $100 down on them to win the championship at 25 to 1. I mean, after that Derek White trade… They added another guy who can defend and stretch the floor from a perimeter shooting standpoint. They've got the superstars. They defend. We know that Marcus Smart can guard anywhere from one through four in terms of uh, position value and versatility defensively. I really do like the Celtics. And I know 14 out of 16 isn't a cash ticket in winning the NBA Finals, but it at least sort of, in my opinion, justifies of like, yeah, this is a team that, in in my opinion, a wide open Eastern Conference that there's no reason why they can't hang around with Miami, who I think is a very good team. There's no reason why they can't hang around with Philly, who I think is a very good team. I mean, they are right there. Again, in terms of star play, I have two guys and go win you a game on any given night. It'll come down to health, as we know, as it always does. Like you said, the Sixers and Bucks, they're mostly healthy and they're rolling. So it's going to be, you know, hard to, to stay up and compete with them. But I agree, the Celtics look good. They're really fitting into their roles, which is what you said, which is what we needed to see. You know, new coach, you got a new roster. Same sort of main pieces, but I think, like you said, they're definitely fitting into their roles a lot better. You know, Joe, I, lo- I love the Celtics take because for me to bet on a team to win a championship or to win a conference, you need to have a dog, right? Like you need to have a Tatum on your team that yeah. can go 
bucket for bucket with a Giannis or a Jimmy Butler or mm -hmm. someone else of that level, right? An Embiid. So, man, I, I like it. I'll, I'll be rooting it for, for you because I've i only taken a stab on Memphis to win mm -hmm. the West. Uh, yep. Them and then I hedged it with the Suns because I think the Suns are just, mm -hmm. when they get their guys back, they're going to be a force. I agree. Sure. I want to talk Nets a little bit more because I uh, Ben Simmons. So, he's not going to play Thursday against the Sixers. Boo. This was a game when he had that first press <laughs> Yeah, everyone's when, that game. When he had his first press conference with the Nets, he said he was hoping to be ready for this game. Boo. He's not. <laughs> He's not. But he'll be there. He'll be there. He's yeah. supposed to be playing this God, weekend against the Knicks. But yeah, it definitely would have been. Storylines, talking storylines. It would have been. Kids nice tell to me he's not it. ready for Thursday, but he's ready for the weekend. Yeah. Stop um, it. Well, Woj said it's his back, so I, I don't know. He Stop said it. he's been that dealing is. with the back injury. Is that? Do you guys think it's something else, or? You, you know, he it's want to play in Philly. Yeah, he just he doesn't, doesn't want to play. Yeah, he just doesn't want to play in Philly because you know they're gonna Soft. let him have it. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, for your first game back, I I sort of get it, but also. Just get play. out there, yeah. Just Go play. play 15 minutes. Well, and Harden's averaging 27 a game, 12 assists minutes. in his first four. Like, when you, when you talk about who won the trade, it's like, well, yeah. shit, how can you make any argument that Simmons, you know, was the good pickup here? So, I don't know. We'll see. But hopefully he does play so we can at least see him play some sort of basketball by this weekend. But he will not against the Sixers, unfortunately. Before we let you go, um, it's funny. <laughs> we were talking about whether we should have you on to talk to talk college basketball and our producer's like, nope, nope, he doesn't want to. So is there some sort of like a specific reason or are you just like me? You're like, eh, I'm Yeah, good. <laughs> so my, my birthday's this week. I'll be 31 and I can't bet on non-professional athletes that are younger than me. And especially like mm -hmm. in college, like I don't want a future CPA blowing up my three-legged parlay because <laughs> like he missed a free throw because he was nervous. <laughs> So I'm good. I'm good on the college. I don't know it. I don't want to. Yeah. This guy's going to be an enterprise rent a car here shortly. Yeah. Like, I, or, or a teacher. Like, you know, don't, no disrespect to that, but I'm not trying to put my, And also, I don't follow it. You know, I don't bet on things I don't yes. follow. Yeah. Which is funny because I, I, I hit a four legged uh, NHL money line parlay yesterday. Mm hmm. Just to spite one of my friends back home, because I was like, "Yo, I'm like this weekend, like I'm the goat. Like I've yeah. hit every bet I hit. <laughs> I can't Nikki lose. Dollar sign. <laughs> so I just like punted on it, and yeah. it hit. In overtime, okay. I had uh, the, the Ducks, the Canes, the Kings, and mm. uh, the Lightning. Okay, all just to win outright. Wait, so I mean, you at some point have to bet, though, right? At some point in March, you're not going to bet college basketball at all. No, I don't. I don't bet it. Oh, I do a bracket, oh. not knowing anything. Yeah. I just kind of go like, "Oh, I know UConn is like historically mm -hmm. good. Let's go with that." I, I <laughs> really don't Gonzaga know. Yeah, team. That, I think yeah. are they? Are they Kemba good? Walker's had a great year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I was just curious if there was a specific reason. So it's, it's the age. I get it. It's hard to trust. Um, all right. We'll, we'll move on then. You got to let us know if you do. Because I feel like you might you might catch into the March no, feed a little no, bit. No, I, all right. I really all right. don't. Really okay. don't. Yeah. Nick, this is awesome, man. I appreciate <laughs> you. Nick, Nikki, yeah. dollar, sign. You might have to change have your- Have a weekend. You might have to change your Twitter name. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Nick. This is always fun. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I still don't believe him. I think he's going to end up betting. I I, I, <laughs> I do believe him. I you think, do? I, yeah, I guess he sounded pretty This is a man. Confident. I mean, he's been in the game for a long time. So I believe when he says he's not- I'm still in the part, like the phase, where, like I say, I'm not going to bet something. And it's like, wow, ah, scratch yeah, that itch why, a little bit. I don't yeah. think, I, I believe him. I think he's got enough with fighting and with throwing out random NBA. And I think I could go, like what he was mentioning, he'd rather throw out a random 
hockey parlay and then yeah. dabble into betting on the future CPA. Right, line. Yeah. That killed me. That was funny. I guess he better than I, because if I say I don't, I usually end up doing it anyways. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> let's, let's talk free money and then winning picks. And then we are out. We will start with bet $10, win 200, open a new Wimbet account, make a deposit $10 or more, take the $10, put it on a bet, minus 120 odds or greater, get $200 in free bets. Go to winbet.com or download the Winbet app for official rules. And details. And our secret word here in this Monday show is Tar Heels. Tar Heels spoiled Coach K's big moment at Cameron Indoor. A lot of people wasted a lot of money. A lot of people lost a lot of money. Uh, Duke is still one of the betting favorites to win the national championship, but the North Carolina had the last laugh over the weekend. Tar Heels is the secret word. DM Tar Heels to the WinBet Twitter account. Include your WinBet username and email uh, for a $25 free bet. Terms and conditions apply. Free money, baby. And winning picks. We started with a new slate with a new month. We are both 0-1 looking for our first win of the month. Joey, what do you got? Let's get it. Uh, I've got one play that's not my winning pick, but a play I really like, and that's Cleveland State, Wright State, over 145. I'm surprised at this number because both these teams rank in the top 100 in tempo, uh, effective field goal percentage, and offensive rebounding. Both teams also rank 238th or worse and overall defensive efficiency. So this is a slam dunk for me. Good offenses that play fast against bad defenses. Over 145 is not that big of a number. Smash spot for me. Easy play. Um, and then I'm also going Towson. Minus four and a half against Delaware. Last week I told you they were my favorite bet because uh, you got them at plus 110 to win the conference tournament. Um, they are the clear-cut best team. They covered this number in both of their games during the regular season against Delaware. They have a huge edge uh, across the board offensively, 42nd against 240th in terms of overall efficiency, their offense versus Delaware's defense, uh, and then ninth against 290th in terms of offensive rebounding, ninth best offense or free offensive rebounding offense, 290th uh, ranked offensive rebounding defense. So those are two big numbers in Towson's favor. Uh, I anticipate them covering this. If you want to throw them into a money line parlay, I like that as well, but both those games, I think, are, are easy plays for me. Uh, and I will flip a coin and take Towson um, as uh, the official winning pick. Okay. Just um, because I hate totals. And as, as obvious I, I, as I that one is, that, yeah. as obvious as that is, it's probably mm. going to end at like 135 inexplicably. <laughs> um, or it smashes over. Yeah. We no, hope. No, no, no. We hope. We hope. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed for what you. What you got? I'm going to go back to hockey. The Leafs are a heavy favorite at minus 220 on the road against the Blue Jackets. I always say when I see a high total, this game screams over. This is juiced to the over at six and a half, up to seven in some books. There is a reason we're seeing it get steamed. You have two very good offenses. Like, I, like, like you were just explaining, it's pretty simple. You have two very good offenses and two currently less than ideal goaltending situations. So the Leafs average the fourth most goals a game, 3.64 a game. They have the best power play in the league, converting on just over 30% of their chances, just under and I mentioned the goaltending hasn't been the best for either of them. So at the beginning, when I started getting into uh, hockey, I kept talking about Jack Campbell, and he's one of the best goalies, and he is. But both him and Peter Morozik have been splitting time in net, and neither of them have been that great. Morozik actually outplaying Campbell, allowing just nine goals in his last three starts. He's getting the start tonight. And while he has been better than Campbell, I see good value with the Blue Jackets team total. So 
I think that going over six and a half, it's just a little too juiced for me. So I'm going to go Blue Jackets team total over two and a half. It is at minus 140, but I see good value. Morozik has allowed three or more goals in six of his last nine starts. He ranks 95th out of 110 in goal saved above expected with negative eight. And the Blue Jackets have the seventh best team total record at 34 and 22. They've gone over two and a half goals in nine of 13 games since February. So like I mentioned, six and a half juice the over. I don't love that, but two and a half seems too low for a team that has been consistently covering against a goalie and against a defense in the Leafs that hasn't been as consistent. I will say I love fading Morazic, who is a real person. And <laughs> I know who they are and didn't just learn about good old Vic. Yeah. yeah, Slick Vic hasn't been stopping a nosebleed. So giddy up. Giddy up on the all blue jackets over team total. And for what it's worth, tailing. they're a fun team to watch um, them. And I really like watching the Panthers. But for what it's worth, we did see the jackets cover this team total of two and a half. When they faced the Leafs back in February, they won four to three in OT. So it's been done. I see it happening again here. I had, had to fit a little hockey in there. It was a heavy college basketball show. Yeah, I show. love it. You know, you know, like the bird box gif with uh, Sandra Bullock. She's got the blindfold on. She's just kind of looking around like yeah. that. Like, that's me just blind tailing your hockey plays. But Joe, you Bring started. It on. It's funny because we switched roles. Like, you were like, I'm going to become a I hockey know. sharp. It was we'd be sort in the of office and Joe's I said like, that because Dig. then I found out Yammer or Yager and Mary Little Mew aren't in the league anymore. And I was like, I don't know who these guys <laughs> are. Like, who? Yeah. All right, that's fair. Well, it was a fun show. But you are going to be the hockey sharp. And I'm I'm by extension also a hockey sharp because <laughs> I just tail you. Okay. And fair. then like your record is my record. It's like, hey, what's up? I'm winning all these hockey bets. Okay. If that's true, then I'm going to say your college yeah, basketball record is mine. Absolutely. All right, a, cool. We're teammates. Are you kidding me? That's, we're in this together. <laughs> we have joined records. I love it. Yeah. All right, y'all. That's episode 49. Thanks for tuning in. We will catch you on Thursday.